You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers who got our start doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, where we covered the Chargers for five seasons. I write for the LA Football Network, and this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Welcome into the show, guys. Special thank you to those who are checking out the show today for the first time. We have a hell of an episode for you guys, because on today's show, we're going to be joined by special guest, Chargers beat reporter Daniel Popper from The Athletic, who always brings it when he comes on. We had to get him on to have some talks about this season coming up, a season preview. We'll also talk a little bit about the game against Washington coming up this weekend. He always ends up bringing him. I mean, we end up getting into the player he thinks improved more from last year to this year, what he expects from the Chargers rookies, and so much more on today's show. But we're going to start with the Chargers announcing the four players that they're going to protect from their practice squad. And we'll also get into the uniform schedule coming out because a lot of people were freaking out about the uniform. So, We'll talk a little bit about that as well. And we have our noted, you know, Navy uniform hater at the end of the show and Daniel Popper, who's not a fan of those. We'll get into that. But before we get started, I do need to tell you guys to make sure you're checking out Locked On's Ultimate Season Preview, where they're breaking down every team and every division, where you can follow at the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast, getting expert advice from Odyssey's Ross Tucker, Jason Lockham, for and more. David Drogmeyer's on there as well. That's worth checking out on its own. So let's go ahead and get into it, David. We do have the first protection list from the Chargers and their practice squad. That is something that started last year where going into the week, you could protect four people from your practice squad because normally the rules in the NFL are you can't just stop someone else from getting an another NFL opportunity just to keep them on your practice squad. It all changed last year with COVID. Now you get to protect four guys, which is invaluable because, I mean, you have four extra spots than it used to be anyways. And now, especially if guys are super important, you can protect other teams from coming in and taking them. So it was interesting to see who they picked, David, because they ended up picking Brandon Faison, Darius Bradwell, Joe Gaziano, and Jason Moore. And the first thing I thought, how could you just leave Forrest Merrill out there unprotected? But really, though, I mean, it is interesting to see specifically at that position you have three defensive linemen on the practice squad. Joe Gaziano, Braden Fehoko, Forrest Merrill. All of the guys had moments in the preseason, but now you're seeing which one of those guys the Chargers are most concerned with protecting, and it ended up being Joe Gaziano, which was a little surprising. It was a little surprising. I was for sure that they were going to try to protect Braden Fehoko. I just feel like the, he's been around the team quite a bit, and he's been on the roster. He's actually played some snaps for the Chargers, so I thought that would be where they would go as far as that position position group is concerned, but not this week, and that's the thing. is It could change from week to week just depending on the roster construction, injuries, and all that other kind of stuff, but also like the, the fact that they protected Darius Bradwell. I thought he had a very good training camp, uh, a good preseason. I felt like he ran hard. Uh, and did everything he could with what was given to him, which wasn't a very good offensive line. Uh, but also, a, a no surprise here with Brandon Faison, uh, a guy who's been on the active roster, who has played a lot of snaps for the Chargers, fi- figured that was probably an automatic. 
Yeah, especially just considering the depth on the team, right? And that's something you look at with these protections. The Chargers are pretty thin at guys that can actually go out there and play corner, right, that you feel good about. Brandon Faison is at least a guy who's been around since the start of, right, the Brandon Staley era, which also just started. He knows the system and all of that at defensive tackle on the defensive line. You are a little bit thin there as well, so it does make sense. They are at that position too, and with the Chargers running backs, who knows how long the leash is on Joshua Kelly, right? Maybe he gets a run early on. You have Darius Bradwell as a backup if something were to happen, and I don't think that's a bad running back to kind of have stashed there, a guy that's played pretty well in all of the opportunities we've seen him get since he came in as an undrafted free agent last year in the Anthony Lynn era. But the other part of this, David, is you just don't know the intel that's out there, right? I mean, we all lauded Tom Telesco on the intel he had, knowing that Rashawn Slater, or at least having a heavy inclination that Rashawn Slater was going to fall to the Chargers at 13, right? When no one thought that was going to happen. His information worked out there. Yeah, neither did I. I mean, we talked about That's crazy. I mean, yes, you do this. It's not going to happen. But you can't know what Tom Telesco knows, right? Maybe there are rumors out there. Maybe there's people he's hearing from around the league that are saying like, hey, you better protect these guys because although they didn't get brought in by waivers from another team, these teams could be interested. They could try to poach him. You just don't know. But I do think it is some indication of how they value these guys based on who they decided to protect. I mean, it's only natural. Well, look at the Ravens. They just signed Le'Veon Bell. It's obvious they're looking for running backs. So, I mean, who's to say that they wouldn't go looking for a Darius Bradwell? And there's situations like that around the league. I mean, players get hurt every day. Teams need replacements on a daily basis. And it just makes sense to, especially at positions you're thin at, have guys on the practice squad you feel pretty good about. And I do think this is a pretty talented practice squad like we've talked about, but Forrest Merrill, I mean, he's number one protection every week. Let's get that straight, Chargers. But let's get to these uniforms, David, because we did get the uniform breakdown. No surprise that there's a lot of white, right? I mean, I am a little surprised that it's nine times the Chargers will be wearing white. They're going to go powder blues six times, which is basically their, you know, away jersey this season. It's one of their main uniforms. And then they're going one navy and one color rush. And I think there's a lot of differing opinions on the navy and the Royal Blue Color Rush, but I like both of them. I think, I mean, I don't think the Chargers really have a bad uniform right in the bag, but I like the special edition jerseys. I like the Color Rush. I like the Navy Blue. Navy Blue reminds me, you know, going back to like the early Drew Brees, early LaDainian Tomlinson, some of those jerseys from back then, which back then those jerseys were awful. Looks a lot better the way that they're doing it now, but what did you think about the uniform schedule when it came out, David? Were you surprised to see that there wasn't more, you know, kind of a mix-up to what they're doing. I, yeah, I was hoping that we were going to get a couple more games of the color rush, the the royal blue. I really love that color. I, I own a Joey Bosa jersey with that color rush, and I, I, I love it. I mean, I just don't understand why they don't play in that uniform more often. And also, I think it's interesting to consider that I believe next season the – helmet rule is going to change so they're going to be able to accessorize even more so with the helmet and with the whites I love the whites I have a white jersey I bought a Keenan Allen jersey when I actually went to SoFi Stadium and met up with you Daniel uh so I love that jersey and they can kind of change that up and make that fresh with different color pants and different socks as well so the Chargers have a great slate of jerseys I was just hoping we would get a little bit more diversity 
And in our digging, right, and the information that we looked up, we did see that at least there was a rule. The most recent rule I could find on how they do the jerseys and the alternate alternate jerseys because the color rushes came out a few years ago. Supposedly, from what I've read, you're allowed to have three different, you know, alternate jerseys. For So for the Chargers, that would be the color rush, royal blue, and also the navy blue. The Chargers are only going with two in 17 games. I definitely think they should have at least, if they're allowed to have three, throw another one of those in there. The other thing was they're wearing the navies against a team who wears like a navy blue with the Patriots. They're also wearing the royal blues against a team in the Giants who has a, at least a base color that's pretty similar to that as one of their main uniforms. That was kind of interesting from what I saw. But let's all just celebrate the fact that the Chargers have the best uniforms in the NFL. And there's a lot of different combination. Uh, there's a lot of different combinations. The white on white is ridiculous too. I mean, there's just so many good ones. You can't go wrong with the Chargers jerseys. And I'm just excited to see all of them out there and just know every time when they show up to a field, they're going to have the better jerseys on. But we do have two more segments to get into because we have to get to this Daniel Popper interview. So coming up right after this, we're going to get his biggest takeaways in his first season watching Brandon Staley at a training camp and going through roster cuts and all those things. And we're also going to do what position group he's maybe questioning the most going into the season now that we know what the final roster looks like. Also talks about T. Billy a little bit and basically tells you why Jalen Guyton should just be just fine in that role as well. So a lot to get into with Daniel Popper. We'll get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys, the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is BetOnline.ag. Football season is here, guys, and it's now the best time to bet on any kind of sports, but on football especially. This is the best betting time of the year, and the only place that we bet with is BetOnline. And one of the things I love is they have a lot of different games, specials, tournaments going on online where you guys can bet little and win big, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest, in the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at Bet Online. You can also do the opening game special, where if you guys make a bet on the Dallas Cowboys and Tampa Bay Buccaneers game that's opening up the season, you can get refunded up to $25 on that bet if you lose. Four new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. But it's not just sports, guys, because you can even go on Bet Online and find your favorite Vegas casino games on there if you want to take a couple of blackjack hands. For me, I'm going to be sticking with football, and we can even boost your guys' bank a little bit. If you go to the website or use your mobile device today, you can sign up and receive a 100% welcome bonus. That's a 100% welcome bonus, guys, with the promo code LOCKDOWN. That's promo code LOCKDOWN, all caps, one word, at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We really enjoyed how much you guys enjoyed our last interview with Daniel Popper. So when we were thinking about bringing on someone to talk about this season and the upcoming matchup. There's only one guy to go to, and it is the Athletics Chargers beat reporter, Daniel Popper, who just has some of the best content you're going to find, some of the best Twitter content you're going to find as well, at Daniel R. Popper. So, Pop, thanks for coming on the show again today, man. I mean, so excited for this upcoming season. So much to be excited about. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. So now we've seen the entire first Brandon Staley training camp, Brandon Staley offseason cuts with Brandon Staley for the first time. And I mean, there's just been so much made about Brandon Staley, the new guy, the new hope for the Chargers. So what do you think that you've learned about Brandon Staley now that you've seen his first offseason with the team? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, what jumps out about Brandon Staley is just how intelligent he is. Um, and, and that's not just from 
us talking to him in the media and press conferences. It's from talking to players and asking them, well, you know, what's it like playing for Brandon Staley? And the first thing all of them say is he is so smart. Strictly speaking, from an X's and O's standpoint, like he can talk football at the highest level with the highest IQ players, coaches, executives. And I think that's primarily what stood out to the Chargers when they wanted to hire him. And something Brandon said in his intro press conference that really sort of, um, you know, jumped out to me um, was just that, you know, a, a player can tell if a coach is bullshitting them. Right. Yep. Within five seconds. I don't know if you guys remember that comment. Yep. Oh, yeah. But right. But he really believes that. And so he when he's talking to a player, when he's holding a meeting, um, you know, he knows that he has to be on it in terms of his intelligence, in terms of his football IQ, in terms of getting his messages across to the players. And that's really jumped out to me. So it starts with the intelligence. But I think his communication, his commitment to detail is really, really impressive. And I mean, we've talked about it the last time I was on here, but just every single facet of his coaching staff, of his process, of his practices, it's all thought out to the nth degree. And that's what you really are looking for in an NFL head coach, because at the end of the day, the margins between winning and losing are not that big. Right. And so you need to win in the details. You need to find those margins in the details. And I think that's something that Brandon Silly does really well. And then he's able to communicate his messages to players, he's able to distill information. I think one example that's come up recently is that, you know, when he was installing his defense, instead of starting with X's and O's and starting with assignments for specific players, like, okay, you're playing cornerback in quarters, here's your assignment. He started with philosophies, like overarching ideals of, okay, this is why we play this way. These are the things that we want to accomplish. Generalities about what we want to be as a defense. And that is where he started with his defensive players. Those are the things that he tried to drive across in the early stages of the install. And what that allows them to do now is when you are installing X's and O's, when you are getting into the specifics, the players understand why. And they're no, they don't just understand why they're doing it at their specific position. They're understanding why they're doing it for the overall philosophy of the defense. They understand how what the cornerback is doing is affecting what the linebacker is doing, is affecting what the safety is doing, is affecting what the defensive line is doing, and so on and so forth. And that is leading to outstanding communication that's going to allow them to play this complex defense with a lot of moving parts and a lot of disguises. And it all started back at the early part of that install. And it just sort of goes to show, you know, how much he believes in teaching and communication as part of his entire coaching process. Yeah, knowing how all the cogs to the machine works is really going to help these guys out really execute this defense at the best of their ability. Moving on, you wrote about the roster cuts that Tyron Johnson's stock was going down, but it was still really surprising to see him get waived. He entered camp with a lot of excitement around him. What do you think ultimately factored into him falling down the depth chart so quickly? Well, let me ask you guys this. What 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 makes Tyron Johnson such an excellent receiver? Speed. Okay. But I would how say many guys in the NFL last yeah, year. I get that. But how many guys in the league can run under four four? There's a lot of guys in the league that can do that. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with here's the problem with Tyron Johnson. And, and and I explained this in my YouTube live stream and we can go over it again here. But so the Chargers ultimately decided to keep five wide receivers. They had kept six wide receivers, Tyron Johnson would have been on the team. In my 53 man projection. I said that they would keep six wide receivers is why I ended up keeping Tyron Johnson on the team. If I had, if I had gone with five, Tyron Johnson would have been my cut. When you are a receiver at the back end of a room on an NFL roster, you have to provide value on special teams. 
Right. There's really no question about it. You have to be able to punt return, kick return, gunner, something like that where you add some value there. That's why KJ Hill's on the roster. He's a punt returner and kick returner. That is literally the only reason he made this roster. But if you have five wide receivers and Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson are two guys competing for spots, if you keep both of those guys, you have two guys that add zero value on special teams. Jalen Guyton can't really do anything on special teams, and neither can Tyron Johnson. He certainly can't be trusted as a punt returner. Neither of those guys really can because they haven't done it a lot in the league. So really it was one of those guys could make the roster in a five wide receiver room. You can really only have one guy in the five wide receiver doesn't provide an initial team's value outside of your top two guys. You're talking about Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And ultimately, you know, the coaching staff decided on Jalen Guyton. I don't think that was a bad decision. He's bigger. He's more physical. He's similar as a deep threat. I think he's a better route runner. Obviously the hands are a concern, but I think he offers more than Tyron Johnson does. And I think a lot of Tyron Johnson's success last year, frankly, was playing for Justin Herbert. I mean, Justin Herbert made him look really, really good because he was able to throw these balls 70 yards downfield with pressure in his face. Like, I don't think Tyron Johnson really brings a whole lot to the table. He's kind of just a dude to me, and especially considering he doesn't really bring any special teams value. Yeah, and I think it's more about roster construction too, right? And I think the part that frustrated so many people was just keeping other players at other positions outside of just K.J. Hill because K.J. Hill is the main returner and all of that. But it's more to just if something does happen to Jalen Guyton, do you have another speed guy there to kind of fill in for that, right? And I think that is a question they'll have to answer maybe at some point, but hopefully they don't. But yeah, I think the drops with Jalen Guyton is one of the reasons people are so frustrated with him, costing Justin Herbert the rookie record last year. How dare he? But we have more stuff to get into, and now we've seen an entire new season, right? We have so many players returning. I mean, not a lot of players returning to the Chargers this year from last year. Comparatively speaking, I mean, you've talked about the roster turnover, but there are some key guys going into big roles. And now that you've seen where the Chargers ended last season and what you've seen from these guys through preseason and training camp, who is a player that you think looked most improved from when you saw them last year to where they're going into the season this year? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'll say Donald Parham. Like I was really, Ooh. really impressed. With that. That. Oh, you didn't see, you didn't hear that one coming. You didn't. Think no, that I mean, coming? I yeah. was excited to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was really impressed with him in training camp. Like he was a legitimate receiving threat in this training camp. And I, I thought it was really interesting because, you know, Justin in training camp last year, because he was really only working with the second and third teams, like he developed really good reports with a lot of these like back end guys, Donald Parham. Right. He was thrown to Joe Reed, KJ Hill, these guys, like even Jalen Guyton at that point was still sort of competing for a spot. And so he really developed like a nice connection with these guys. And that's really coming to fruition between him and Parham. You know, Parham had a 60 yard touchdown in the 49ers joint practice. He moves exceptionally well for how big he is. Um, you know, he play he can play wide receiver and they line, they don't really line him up in line very often. Um, that's obviously not, you know, the, the focal point of his game, but he can line up in the slot. He can line up out wide. He's got a huge catch radius. I love his athleticism. I love the way he high points the ball to where he go up, goes out and grabs the ball with his hands as opposed to bring it in through his chest. And then after the catch, he's like a weapon. So don't be surprised if he has a pretty big year. I mean, Jared Cook obviously is an established player, um, but he's getting up there in age. Say he gets nicked up. You have a really good option behind him and Donald Parham. And I think as the season goes along, you're going to see Parham kind of blossom um, and turn into the type of receiving that they, that they thought he could be, you know, when they signed him out of the XFL. So to me, he's he's vastly improved. And I expect him to be a huge part of this offense in 2021. He's such a weapon with his just – abnormal size and yeah you talked about the catch radius it's just 
it's going to be really uh, interesting and fun to watch how Joe Lombardi kind of weaves his way into that offense. And they didn't really use him in a lot of, you know, yards after the catch situations last year. It was more like, hey, he's a huge guy. We'll throw it to him in the red zone. So that's really exciting. Yeah, with the 53-man roster set, which position group would you say you have the least faith in or maybe the most questions about heading into this year? Yeah, so I think it is the defensive line. And that's not necessarily a knock on the starters. Um, I think they have a fine group there. Obviously, you know, I'm very high on Justin Jones. I think he's going to have a really big year. Linval Joseph is a proven player in this league, and we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about him because he's just consistent in the middle. Um, I think Brandon Saley is going to get more out of Jerry Tillery, but I need to see it before I talk about him like he's a proven player. Um, But that's your three. And behind them, it gets a little bit thin. You know, the coaching staff speaks really highly of Christian Covington, um, but he seems like just kind of a guy in the league um, from what I've seen and sort of how he's performed in previous stops. Eric Banks, they claimed him off the waiver wire. Brandon Staley talked very highly of him, worked with him in the Rams last year. Um, Forrest Merrill's on the practice squad now. Braden Fajoko's on the practice squad. So they have some bodies, but I worry about injuries there, man. Like, if they – have one injury on that defensive line, you question whether they can really keep up in terms of defending the run, especially if that injury happens to Linval Joseph. Like they're relying on an injured player to be consistent press there in the middle. And so that worries me. That's really the spot I'd point to. And then, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, I really got to point to the offensive line depth, which, you know, I'm a broken record at this point. It's been three years of me talking about offensive line depth. Yeah. Like, you know, punching myself in the face at this point, but it remains an issue, even though they overhauled the offensive line and like, look, we're already looking at it on Sunday. You know, there's a chance Brian Belaga to supply right. and who's playing right tackle It's storm Norton and the coaching staff can talk all they want about how, you know, he's vastly improved and how he's a legitimate swing tackle. I got to see it. I got to see it on the field. And I haven't seen that in the preseason games uh, to make me believe that he can be a, a, you know, a viable replacement for Brian Belaga. And so, uh, you know, one more injury and, and, you know, you're looking at potentially Brendan Hyman is into the lineup. You know, if something happened to Corey, Corey Lindsley, you're looking at Scott Quisenberry. And obviously you're not going to have all pro pro, pro ball players on, on your offensive line in terms of depth, but I just have serious concerns about what would happen if they did have some injuries up front. I mean, they're hoping they don't and they don't have to get there. Yeah. I'm with Brian Blaga. We all know kind of what the drill is, but you can't rebuild totally an offensive line in one off season. They did some impressive things. But that depth is a huge concern, and at least on the defensive line, if something were to happen, God forbid, Forrest Merrill would be able to come in and save the day. But we have a few more questions with Daniel Popper coming up after this, getting into this Washington football team game coming up in week one, and we're getting into that coming up right after this. All right, guys, well, before we get back to Daniel Popper, who's obviously bringing it, I do have to tell you guys about my favorite protein bar. And for me, when you're talking about a protein bar, the thing that sets This protein bar, apart from the rest of the protein bar family, is just the taste and the variety. I mean, if it doesn't taste great, I'm not going to eat it. So that's one of the things that I love about Built Bars. They're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. You feel like you're having a treat. You feel like you're not supposed to be able to have it because it tastes so good. And you have so many different flavors to choose from. I mean, you get that mixed box and you're going to feel like you got a little portion of a candy store sent to your house because there's so many good flavors to choose from. Peanut butter brownie salted caramel, coconut almond, mint brownie, so many great ways to switch things up and find the flavors that you love. And the best part is they're going to fit on your diet as well. I mean, most of the bars have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and only about four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. 
you can have that cheat meal that you want without the guilt of having to break your diet with Built Bars, and we can even save you guys some money. If you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15, all caps, one word, for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. I also need to tell you guys about another sponsor we're super excited about, and that is RunYourPool.com. This is a place who is running all sorts of NFL games for you, your family, your place of work. Basically, what they're doing is they're going to run a pool for you guys, whether you want to do a pick'em league, whether you want to do a survivor pool, or even if you want to do squares throughout the season, Run Your Pool is going to make it so simple for you guys. And we're doing one where you guys can test it out for free if you join our Locked On Chargers Pick'em League. You guys can play pick against us as long as you have your picks in by Sunday. You guys can join in on the action and have a chance to be the winner of the group and win a free Chargers jersey. So we're doing that at runyourpool.com. You can find the entry in the show notes or you can also find it on our Twitter page at LockedOnLAC. Let's join in on the fun, guys, with Run Your Pool. It's the best place to do anything like this throughout the sports world. So if you guys want to check it out, you can even save some money as well because you guys can get $10 off your own league at RunYourPool.com slash LockedOn. That's $10 off at RunYourPool.com slash LockedOn. All right, guys, back here with Daniel Popper from The Athletic, one of the best Chargers followers. Daniel, before we get into these last few questions, do you have anything on the horizon at The Athletic, which is the best sports subscription you're going to get out there that you want people to know about? Yeah, well, what, it, we're recording this on a Tuesday. When is this, when is this dropping? Tomorrow on okay, a Wednesday. So by the time this comes out, I will have a feature I'm very excited about published on The Athletic. Um, it is an inside look, behind-the-scenes look at Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert's relationship Ooh. and a look into them possibly being the next great quarterback-wide receiver duo in the NFL. Tons of exclusive information on connections that they had last year in games, how their relationship developed. Um, so I'm super, 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 super excited about that story, and that will be live on The Athletic tomorrow when this is uh, live for you all to listen to. So go check that out right now. Goosebumps. I mean, and hey, All In's going to be coming out, you know, we're soon again. Daniel Popper, featured actor in All In. I've loved seeing you on there. Next to Mina Kimes, too. I love Mina Kimes. But yeah, super excited about that. I mean, those two dudes, I mean, you literally heard Keenan Allen say the first pass he caught from Justin Herbert was in that first game last year against the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm so excited to see how that relationship has gone so far, especially with such a, an eclectic personality with Keenan Allen, but let's get back into this here and talk about some rookies because there's a lot of things to look forward to in week one, but the rookies are very, very high on my list. So we all know Rashawn Slater versus Chase Young. We know Rashawn Slater is going to have an impact on this game, but which rookie or rookies besides Rashawn Slater do you think will have the biggest impact against the Washington football team? Yeah, I mean, Asante Samuel Jr. is going to have to show up and we're going to get a really good look at at sort of what he's going to bring as a rookie. Um, You know, he's claimed that starting outside corner spot opposite Michael Davis when Chris Harris is in the slot. Um, and, and listen, I mean, I covered Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2016 when he was with the Jets. Like, oh, this yeah. guy can sling it. Like, he can sling it. And I've seen him when he has, you know, real solid weapons around him. And the Washington football team has really solid weapons. they got three guys that run sub 4-4 between uh, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and Antonio Gibson. Um, you know, Gibson obviously is more of a running back in that scheme, but between Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, you know, Sante Samuel Jr. is going to have to show up and, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, 
in preseason and in training camp, he made a lot of plays and was around the ball and he loved his competitive spirit, but he did get beat some, you know, Jalen Guyton beat him on a double move in that scrimmage at SoFi stadium. And that mm-hmm. was a pretty ugly play. So you sort of expect there to be some growing pains. Cornerback is a really difficult position to play in the NFL, especially for somebody that young and very few guys come into the league right away and become superstars. So um, I'll be watching him. I think it'll be fascinating to see how he shakes out. And, um, you know, I'll throw one more name out there. Obviously, you know, I think Josh Palmer. Oh yeah. He's a guy that has been, outstanding in training camp and has really turned a lot of heads among his teammates um, and coaching staff. He's, you know, his work ethic really jumps out to you. He, he is literally the last player on the field every day. I mean, every single day, he's just out there catching on the jugs machine, running routes with Justin Herbert and no one ever stays later than him. I've watched every single day. And I, that shows you just how the, the desire to be great. And that's really impressive from a player that young. And, you know, I would expect him to uh, make an impact this game ball the offensive ball yeah josh palmer another weapon to add to this really really talented chargers offense do you think the chargers fans should temper their expectations a little bit of the offense going into week one because they're going up against a really really good washington defense yeah i just i think it's okay to have expectations but if they don't you know light the field on fire like don't overreact would be my right. suggestion you know if they go out there and only put up 17 points you know, I don't think that's an indication that the offense is going to suck all year, that Justin Herbert has regressed. They're just going up against a really good group. Um, You know, what I will say is if the offensive line can hold up, if Brian Bulaga starts and this, and this new group of five with four new starters can pass protect, um, they're going to have some options and some, and some opportunities to push the ball downfield. You know, obviously Washington went out and got William Jackson, but just talking with our athletic reporter, Ben Standing earlier today, it sounds like they're going to have a rookie on the outside and nickel packages. Landon Collins is back coming off an Achilles injury. So you, and, and even before he got hurt, you know, he wasn't, you know, particularly adept as a coverage player. So if they, the defensive line is the strength, but if this new look offensive line can come out and play well and, and give Herbert some time to throw, um, there could be some opportunities downfield. So, you know, I think expectations are fine, but if it doesn't come to fruition, this is was a top three defense in the league last year in DVOA, according to football outsiders. So I don't think it, anyone should really overreact to, to this performance, whether it's super good, super bad, or somewhere in the middle. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, defensively, they're going to have some more cut out for them too. I mean, you talked about some of the speed guys they have and that rushing attack with Antonio Gibson. And I think when you talk about faith, that's somewhere where you have to kind of have faith in this Chargers coaching staff, because the run defense wasn't effective last year. I mean, different volume stats might give you different stories, but they weren't a good run defense team last season. For you, when you're looking at this game specifically, would you be more worried about the passing attack with those guys, Curtis Samuel, Terry McCorn on the outside, or with the Chargers' ability to hold up against a pretty decent offensive line and a running back like Antonio Gibson, who went off last year? Yeah, I, I don't think it's really one or the other. Um, and, yeah. and that's why I think, you know, I think this team can, the Washington offense can be really good throwing the ball downfield and, and, you know, they can be a solid rushing attack as well. And so I think you have to defend against both of them. You know, I, I think when I, when I going into this game, I'm more curious about, um, you know, what the defense finally looks like. And so I'll be focusing more on chargers than on any sort of specific matchups, just because, you know, I feel like if they go out and do the things that they've been talking about doing, you know, all training camp and all preseason, they're going to be an elite unit. Like they just have that much talent and knowing what Brandon Staley has accomplished as a defensive coach, you would expect them to be able to go out and defend the run in the past against any offense in the NFL. 
that, you know, if I'm very confident that they're going to be an elite defense as long as they can stay healthy. Um, but like I've been saying, you know, like it's time to finally see this stuff on the field. We've been talking about it for so long without seeing these guys in the preseason. It's hard to really get an idea of what it's going to look like in game action. So, you know, that's, yeah, that'll be my <laughs> primary focus. But yeah, listen, if Thurman's on the field, man, this defense is going to be good. It's plain and simple. He's, he's that talented. I'm ready to see him with Joey Bosa. I'm ready to see what this defense looks like outside of that secret lab that they've been devising this defense in. But now that we're entering the season, the expectations for the Chargers are all over the place. Most fans believe that the Chargers should be able to contend for a playoff spot. Do you think that those are fair expectations? Yeah, listen, I think the ceiling for this team is a Super Bowl. I think that this team as currently constructed is good enough to win a Super Bowl. And I haven't really budged off that. Uh, you know, since they really got this this roster constructed after the draft, like they have that much talent. And I believe in Staley that much as a coach. But but and this is a big but make sure you don't <laughs> cut this out of the tease when you put this on Twitter. Um, the range of outcomes is also very, very large. So while I think the ceiling is a Super Bowl, no doubt about that. I think the floor is a sub 500 record. And that's because there are so many moving parts. It's hard to really pin anything down because there isn't any sample size here. There's a new coaching staff entirely without much experience right you've got a new offensive system you've got a new defensive system you've got a ton of new players on special teams that are trying to turn around what was the league where special teams last season there is a huge range of outcomes here where they could be really really good maybe the best team in football but there's also outcomes where the game management isn't very good because you have inexperience in the coaching staff the offensive system doesn't translate from the Saints to the Chargers um, as it did when Lombardi was an offensive coordinator with the Lions. And the, there's an, you know another another part of this range of outcomes where the special teams doesn't improve that much. Or Tristan Vizcaya, any of these things could lead a like, more middling record, right? And so I think the range of outcomes are big. I don't think uh, you know that level of optimism is completely out there or Fugazi or any of those things. Um, I settle m- more towards the middle. But I do think the range of outcomes with this team is pretty large because of all those factors that I just said. Yeah, I mean, it could be a pretty volatile team because there just is so much where you don't know what to expect. I think what a lot of fans are banking on is some of the decision-making last year is the worst that it could be. So there's only one place to go but up. And with the special teams, yes, even though it is Tristan Vizcaino, I mean, I heard uh, Shields Kapadia talking about that too, where like, it has to be better. You know what I mean? Like even 20th in special teams. They were dead last yeah, I mean, in yeah. PBOA, 32nd in the league, and it wasn't hard to see why. One, just the the coaching. Like it's hard even with a brand new coaching staff to imagine some of the boneheaded, just crazy things that we saw in 2020. So I think it's fair to be reserved about your expectations with this team because they've hurt so many people so many times. But Daniel Popper, thank you so much again. I can't you know tell you guys enough that you should be going and subscribing to The Athletic to just get the best content. Did such a great job keeping everyone in the loop of what was going on through all of those training camp days. So, Daniel Popper, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for your coverage. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me, guys, as always. Well, a very special thank you to Daniel Popper for joining the show and getting on before this crazy season is about to actually take off and we're actually going to be right in the thick of things after this weekend. We super appreciate it. And, of course, you can follow him at Daniel R. Popper on Twitter. One of the best Charger followers out there. But that is going to do it for today's show. The great news is tomorrow we're going to have another interview because we're going to be doing crossover Thursdays again. The first crossover of the season. David Drogmeyer is going to be joining David Harrison from the Locked On Washington football team podcast. And they're going to get into this week's matchup. Super excited about it. And you guys are going to want to know all the inside info from David Harrison tomorrow. So to make sure you don't miss it, 
follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or the new Odyssey app. You can find it there. And if you can on that platform, make sure to subscribe, unsubscribe, follow, unfollow, follow again, and rate and review if you're allowed to on that platform. And another way to make sure you never miss a show is to make sure that you go follow us on our social media. You can follow me on Twitter at DanTalkSports and David on Twitter at DroTalkSD, as well as the show's page at LockdownLAC. And you can also find our new at Lockdown Chargers Instagram page and our Lockdown Chargers Facebook page. But make sure you guys don't miss tomorrow when we have our first crossover of the season. It's going to be the Chargers-Washington football team crossover to get you guys ready. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.